John, you have filmed and been lucky enough to film in many of the oceans of the world and in many of the deep places of the world. And we are today going to talk about the seven creepiest creatures of the deep. Um, now, we're using quite a tabloid term there, creep, creepiest. Uh, some of them are more creepy than others, but we're starting at number seven. Incidentally, why have we decided to do seven rather than ten? Most people do a top ten. It's marine, you know, it's seven. There's seven seas. So let's try, oh, try that out. There's a little idea that yes. it does make it a little bit yeah. more different. Well, seven's my lucky number as well, so we'll go for top seven. So at number seven, and by the way, these are this, these are your orders. We should probably do other creepy creatures that I'll do my top uh, seven, and they won't be marine, but we'll do your marine one. So at number seven, we have the leaf fish. So I imagine it's uh, probably something to do with camouflage this fish. Yes, the one I want to talk about is the one I came across in Sulawesi, which was when we were muck diving, and that's when you're on this sort of volcanic substrate. looks like gravel, black gravel, and it's sort of volcanic ash and mud. And you think, goodness, there's nothing there at all. And then you get your eye in and you see billions of creatures. And one of the things, I almost accidentally filmed these in passing, and then I sort of looked back at the footage later and thought, they're weird. And it was the cockatoo wasp fish or, or leaf fish. They look like a, a giant leaf they're about two feet long and they've got a very big crest and they come often in pairs so when there's one around there's often another one in the vicinity and sure enough another one turned up halfway through this little clip i've got and um so they they look like big brown leaves and they also got this wonderful floppy motion so they not only are they looking like the leaves they're they're floating around in the water on the on the seabed a bit like leaves it's partly because they're camouflaging themselves as predators as much as not wanting to be eaten because not much would eat them anyway but they've also got spiny venomous um, dorsal fins they ambush little crustaceans and presumably small fish and things and uh, they look just like leaves a lot of fish around the world do it and in fact there are some uh, squids that do it as well and uh, it's a bit like stick insects on land they're making themselves look like leaves well, I've just, uh, as you've been talking, John, I've just pulled up on the internet images of uh, the leaf fish. And there are, um, I mean, there look to me to be many, many different varieties and colors. I'm seeing yellows and bright pinks. and But they all do have one thing in common. They're, they look as if they're flattened and they, they are definitely um, camouflaging themselves in the habitat that they're finding themselves in. There's a leaf scorpion fish, um, which looks like uh, not a freshwater but a saltwater, looks like the lionfish. Um, there's um, a, a yellow leaf fish here, an ambush predator found in the, the Amazon, and uh, they're incredibly colourful and very diverse group. Do you know, we should say, that, you know, what the heck are they doing being leaves underwater? Because there aren't many trees underwater. Um, the thing is that, that leaves wash into the water all the time and you see them swirling around in, uh, on the seabed. And, uh, of course, they're pretending to be one of those bits of debris and hopefully not being noticed either by their prey or by potential predators. These guys have also got a defense as well. They've got very, they're very venomous, um, although they're not very aggressive. They sort of lie flopping passively on the seabed. Okay, so that was the leaf fish at number seven, and camouflage is generally a good strategy in nature. At number six, we have the cookie cutter shark. Now, cookie is an American term for biscuit, as we call it here in the UK. So I guess uh, in the UK, we could call it the biscuit, the biscuit cutter shark. But um, what's that all about? You'd, you'd lose the alliteration there. You'd probably call it the biscuit biting shark or something like that. Do you know yes. what I mean? <laughs> 
um so yes this one is a bit of a nightmare um i'm sure it's uh you know it's doing its thing um but uh from our point of view it's a bit creepy because um it'll take a chunk of your flesh out of you it, it, and in fact some open ocean swimmers have had cookie cutter shark bites there's a um, dogfish type shark uh often living in open and perhaps sometimes deep water and it it has a mouth which looks like it's got a bit of a band saw in it. It's also got some some big rubbery lips around that saw, so it's got a sucker. And they come in shoals of 20 or 30, apparently. And in some places in the world, like Hawaii, all the dolphins have got cookie-cutter shark bites on them. Uh, so they're quite common. And what's happening is that the cookie-cutter comes up to the dolphin... It has various bits of camouflage. It even has counter-illumination with some bioluminescent organs on its bottom side. And uh, so it's quite stealthy. And it comes up to the uh, dolphin and grabs on, sucks its, its its mouth onto the dolphin, and then uses this kind of bandsaw-sharp rows of teeth um, and twists out a little chunk of flesh. And you can see on many whales and dolphins, it's not particularly uh, fussy about what it eats. There's these little round marks about the size of a um, jam jar lid. And uh, so quite a substantial bite. And you wouldn't want one on yourself. And, and uh, again, quite a good strategy because it doesn't have to kill its prey to eat it. It just has to find something sufficiently big to go in and take a chunk out of it and then often chomp. Yes, you've got to wonder about nature, haven't you? How uh, every single idea that's possible to exploit has been exploited. And this is an example of it. Uh, uh, you've got to admire it, even though it's really creepy. Uh, my goodness, I mean, it looks very ugly to us and those teeth are razor sharp i read it can shed whole rows of teeth in one go so that it constantly has new sharp teeth so they're extraordinary creatures well one of the creepiest on your list of top seven creepiest creatures of the deep john is this next one the barrel eye fish i've had a look at some images of that and i think the human equivalent of this fish would be if we got a bandsaw and were able to take the uh, the skull cap off our own human skulls from the eye orbit off and replace it with a glass equivalent, uh, that is what this fish looks like. It basically has a, a glass skull. You can see everything that's going on inside. Yes, that is a, is a creepy thought, but you're absolutely right. That's what it is. It's a deep sea fish, lives in complete darkness. And like a lot of deep sea creatures, it's got its eyes developed to make use, best use of, of the little amount of light that there is there. There's two forms of light there. There's the light coming from the surface, the downwelling light, which is extremely dim. But more interestingly is what's called bioluminescence, which is the biological light that's made by most of the fish down there and many of the invertebrates. And, uh, it, it's very important because it allows you to find your prey because anything that's flashing might be potential prey. And it also allows you to find your mates. So being tuned into that bioluminescent light is really important for any animal that lives there. And this is the supreme example of a fish that's adapted to do that. Inside that jelly head, there are two tubes. And those tubes are usually looking upwards towards the surface. They have uh, yellow or green filters in them, which takes out a lot of that upwelling light. And then why would you want to do that? To better see the bioluminescence is the answer. So really uh, very good adaptions in those eyes. And not only do they have lenses at the top of those tubes, on the side of those tubes, they have another um, 
inlet for light coming from the side. And behind that is a mirror. And it's one of the few eyes in vertebrates that has a mirror like a Newtonian telescope to Reflect collect light the light. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and and also they've recently found that it can focus it. And they've also recently found that those two tubular eyes can move forward. So they thought they only looked upwards towards the light of the surface and saw things in silhouette against the surface. But actually, when they're interested in feeding things in front of them, they look forward and they've, they've discovered that because they can see the muscles inside that uh, gelatinous head. But also they managed to catch one alive and look at it in a tank. And that's what it did. It, it, it occasionally was looking upwards, but sometimes forwards with those two tubes. And incidentally, oh, the, the, yeah, it is remarkable. Go ahead. Incidentally. No, no. Well, incidentally, the reason it's got those two tubes is that uh, it would like to have a bigger eye, but it's just not a big enough fish. I mean, it's only about 15 centimeters at most. And, so one of the sort of cheats is to just take the center portion of a normal eye and you get a lot of the light collecting ability. But of course, you only get a tube, which is very narrow. And what you'd want to do is just have a wider field of view, which is where that side mirror bit comes. So it's got the best of both worlds. It's got these acute eyes, which are tubes and they're pretty good, but only got a narrow field of view. And it's also got the side eyes, which are picking up any little bit of bioluminescence it's probably a sit and wait predator the adults have very flat pectoral fins which is thought to keep them steady in the water and uh, so it's probably just sitting there a lot of the time just looking with these wonderful eyes it's got and one of the things about it just looking at a photograph of it here is a tiny wee penny pinching mouth that it's got i mean i think this is the real definition of creepy Yes. Do you know what? I was reading that it, it, it steals food from siphonophores, which are a gelatinous um, kind of drifting creature. And they might have little fish and copepods, uh, little crustaceans and things in them. And it comes up to them and just whips their food away. Anything can get hold of, I suppose. OK, well, moving on. Number five, the barrel fish, also called the spook fish. Now we know why. Number four is uh, a giant ostracod. What's an ostracod? Yes, you may well ask. It, there's, there's things in the sea which we just don't really have any sort of way to describe uh, because we don't usually see them on land. The nearest you could, you might understand an ostracod is that it's um, like a water flea. Um, there's a water flea called Daphnia and again unless you go rooting around in ponds you won't see it but uh, it's about the size of a match head and when you look at it under a microscope there's lots of complex structures inside it it's semi-transparent that's a water flea ostracod is a sort of a marine equivalent almost and um, they're a group of their own and normally they're about two millimeters so they're quite small but there's one called the giant ostracod, which is about maybe three centimeters, which is, is massive as far as ostracods go. And it lives in the deep. And again, it's got these um, extraordinary eye structures. It's got two things inside it. You can see through it. It's semi-transparent. looks like a little orange. And um, you, you look eyes. through it. and With eyes. Well, except the eyes are like sort of car headlamp eyes, like the old-fashioned car headlamps with a big reflecting uh, back to them. And you you see these two reflecting things inside it. It's, I don't know. It's extraordinary. It's like a giant orange pea 
with two car headlamps inside it and it it's got one <laughs> it's got one little uh, filament which is the um thing that it moves with and you can see that filament flicking and then it it just it tumbles as it goes through the water uh, it's thought that those eyes are catching a very wide range of light and a reflecting element like that a mirror sort of element is better than a lens uh, for getting the minute amounts of light that it needs to see down there and again it's looking for bioluminescence it's quite they're quite predatory they it eats small fish and things even though you you wouldn't expect something that size to be doing that and certainly the little ones i've, I've been to um belize where we've dived with the little species and they are caught by the scientists by putting a bit of meat in a in a jar and they uh, they sort of come into this uh trap to get the meat so they they are definitely predatory there's another extraordinary thing which we saw in Belize, which has only been discovered in the last 20 years by a guy called Jim Marin. And Jim found that they make little flashing lights and that every species has its own different Morse code. They do this with bioluminescence again, which is a blue flashing light made through biological means. And this happens at night. And we, we dived in an area of Southwater Key near Dangriga in in Belize, in central Belize, we were only in about two meters of water, and it was like going through fairyland. There was hundreds of these things, all making different flashes. There was one species; they're they're the horizontal ones, and they make sort of seven blips. They start at the top and they go down, so they go blip, 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 blip. There's seven dots of light, and then there's the diagonals. They go they go obviously diagonally, and they and they again do whatever their species does 12 blips and then there's a, then there's verticals as well you know uh, and and horizontals so there's several different species all making these different morse codes they turn out to be the males um and they're in what's called a lek the the females are, are looking to see how well they're doing these beautiful blips and seeing which one they're going to mate with and presumably that happens at the end of its uh blip cycle if the female catches up with the male so <laughs> it's just extraordinary really it's not known whether the giant ostracod does this because nobody's been down there to have a look it's possible i suppose okay well we're moving slowly towards your number one creepiest creature and now at number three we have the pram bug and uh, i was just doing a bit of research on this this morning and i want to give you a quote it's called by one scientist a nasty deep-sea amphipod that carves its home from the guts of an unfortunate salp. Yes, it, it, it's thought that perhaps it was the inspiration for the alien drawings in the film Alien that was uh, designed by H.R. Geiger, the famous illustrator, uh, who died a couple of years ago. But H.R. Uh, Geiger's um, drawings of aliens look very similar to Pheronima, the prambug amphipod, which you've just described. It, it, it does an extraordinary thing. It, it uses the shell of a salp. Salps are, again, another creature which we're not familiar with. They're related to sea squirts, tunicates, but they're floating free in the water, and they can be tens of feet long they're, they're with and hundreds of segments. they're just big masses, aren't they, John? They are, but they're made up of segments, and what the prambug has done is to cut out one of the segments, which must be about maybe three, three or four centimeters long. And it's, a, they're, they're like little barrels, the segments. 
and then it's gone inside this animal it's eaten out the insides so it just wants the barrel it wants the wants the 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 shell of this salp and so why does it do that it's thought that perhaps that is a more efficient way to travel through the water inside this tube and it's not using as much energy a lot of the relatives of the of this particular amphipod which is a type of crustacean i think isn't it um are found on the seabed um because that's uh it's less energetic to travel around on the seabed but if you want to find different food and more food you might want to travel up into the water column but if you do that it's going to cost more energy to swim around this thing has found a way to get around that by uh, stealing the segments of a salp which is okay, quite extraordinary yeah. so and, it's a clever a clever strategy but why called the pram bug is it something to do with babies yes um so what happens is that uh like alien again this is where the um parallel with the film alien is where the parasites go inside and eat you uh it goes inside the salp eats it out and then lays its eggs inside the female lays her eggs inside and they uh develop inside this um segment and you can see lots of little babies inside and it's pushing it around presumably giving nice oxygenated um current over the eggs too so there's some other benefits there but the the males are also found inside the salps so it's not entirely to do with laying the eggs in although that's very helpful it's a, in fact if you were to be strict about it it's a a parasitoid rather than a parasite because parasitoids are things that um kill off their host and of course it's killed off the salp and it's just using an element of the salp although apparently some of the salp tissue is still alive which is a bit creepy uh, <laughs> but the the salp in effect becomes like a giant pram nursery carrying lots of eggs of the of this particular pram bug yes well what you see is this alien like creature which looks like a big shrimp inside and um it's got its tail hanging out of the back of this uh, barrel and that's how it pushes it along it flaps it flaps its legs and its tail and pushes the whole thing through the water and um it is just like it's taking a pram with uh, all its developing young inside okay at number 2 we have the anglerfish and i think people will generally be aware of anglerfish because a lot of countries now the anglerfish is quite a tasty fish to eat uh, but it is but 18 different families there are notions all over the world john i'm sure you filmed them Yes so what distinguishes all these deep sea anglerfish is that the female and it is only the female has a rod above her head which is like a lure and in the deep sea that lure is bioluminescent it glows so it looks enticing of course the the rod is dangling right above their mouth they're not not the most pretty creatures in the world well they've giant mouths giant teeth and um they generally keep it shut until something comes close to the lure isn't that right isn't that the way they work yes they that's exactly how it works and and i think there must be something in our sort of psyche that loves them because children love them i know uh, it's this idea i think you saw one in nemo you know where you suddenly get this lovely bright light dangling in the water and it looks enticing so you go towards it and then you see the teeth behind it so it's the kind of beauty and the and the thrill and the horror of it as well they're related to frogfish which i've also filmed and uh, frogfish have got the same sort of trick but uh often in much shallower water they i've seen some that look like orange sponges and you go up to them and you think they were a sponge but actually then you look closely and you can see that they're dangling a lure above the their mouths just like the deep sea anglerfish 
Just looking at some of the illustrations of them, John, it's just remarkable how some of them can actually shut their mouths because their teeth are enormous. I think they're more like cages. I don't know whether they do shut their mouths. They, they, it's kind of a, a kind of a rack of of uh, you know almost like steel bars that come down over you. Probably some of them piercing you if you get into those mouths. They're not very big, by the way. They, that's that's the other thing. There's no sense of scale in the in the deep sea. You might think they're as the size of a mini, but they're not. They're uh, they're actually uh, some of the biggest. They're only about the size of your hand. Uh, and some of them are much smaller than that. Uh, and actually, the males, uh, you know the story about the males, don't you? Uh, no, remind me. <laughs> well, what it is, is the... Uh, so uh, finding a mate uh, down in the deep sea where there's so much space is very difficult, and also it's very dark. And the strategy that the male anglerfish uses is to attach, is to find a, a female and to attach himself. He's actually tens of times smaller, you know, but the size of a penny compared to her. And he attaches himself to the female. And I think he can eject sperm straight into her, um, wherever he attaches. And he eventually grows into her. And, uh, so for all her life, she's got a little male attached to her. And just one. So the, the first one there is the lucky one. Yeah, I assume so. Lucky is a relative term. <laughs> <laughs> okay, big drum roll, John, because we've now reached the number one at the top in your list of the uh, creepiest creatures of the deep. And that, in fact, is a thing called the vampire squid. And I'm assuming it's not because it has sharp, blood-curdling canine teeth, but uh, you go hell and tell us about it. Well, why is it called a vampire? I mean, it, I, I guess the whole deep sea is is almost vampirish, isn't it? Because it's in the dark and it's strange and mysterious and creepy. And this is perhaps the master of the deep sea. It is looks like an octopus. And I think it was confused with the octopus. I think it's somewhere in between squid and octopus in a group of its own. And um it has a uh, a mantle like a vampire, you know, the cape of a of a of a vampire. Uh, and how that works is it, it's got lots of membranes between it, its tentacles, and it when it gets threatened, it can pull this cape over itself, a bit like a hedgehog crawls up into a ball. But it's quite dramatic when it happens. And the other reason it might be called a vampire is because it's got a red eye. You know, it's very black and bracky brown. It's got this big red eye, which is, again, vampire-like. And it's got claws between the tentacles. A lot of these things in the deep sea, we have to kind of imagine what they might be doing. We've got a few clues, like the claws, so presumably it's latching onto something. Uh, and it's got these long filament type um feeding I don't know what we'd call them really. They're not really organs, they're just like filaments. A lot of squid and octopus have got feeding tentacles, and this species doesn't have them, but it, what it does have is like these thin web like strands. And it's thought that those catch maybe little shrimps and things like that. So does it use this big black uh Kip cloak uh, in effect to catch its prey, John? Does it envelop the, the prey with it or does it just use it as camouflage over itself? It mainly uses it as, as camouflage and, and um, as far as we know. But, you know, you've really got to get down there to have a look at these things. And the trouble is that if you go down there with a, a submarine, you usually have big lights and the submarine's engines make a lot of noise. And, of course, these animals are, are tuned into the slightest bit of light and the slightest bit of noise. 
And so you go there with a submarine, you're not going to get anywhere near them, and you're certainly not going to see them doing natural things. Um, and then the alternative to that is trying to fish for them. And of course, if you bring them up in a net, then you uh, damage them. And, and in fact, uh, I've got some shots here which are of, of um, caught vampire squids, and they're they're beautiful, but unfortunately they've got damaged by the net. They're very, very delicate and, um, and they don't last very long. So it's a real tricky thing trying to see anything in the deep. I mean, to see any natural behavior. Why is it now that you have chosen this as your number one creepiest creature of the deep? It's probably because it is a, a true vampire. It looks the part. It's got its red eye, its black cloak. It's got the claws and it's found in the deep, dark depths and it doesn't like sunlight.